let this word be true. Not my words, but your words, Lord God. Not my will, but your will. Be with us this morning, Lord God, as we deal with some things, some bites that come our way, some storms that we get involved in. But Lord, I pray that in the midst of all of it, our perspective and our eyes would always be on you. You are the Redeemer. You are the King. Father, we give it all right back to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, Acts chapter 28. Open your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 28. Just remain standing with me. I felt in my spirit, I wasn't planning on doing this. Actually, I had another sermon. But I'm actually going to do a part two to the message that I spoke last week. And if you were here last week, we talked about some snakes. Some snakes. And then we talked about poison. Poison. Okay. So I don't want to go there. Go there. That girl is. Okay. No. Holy, holy. But some of you right now, you might be involved in some poison. You don't even know it. It takes a while. Some of you got bit last year and the poison is not hitting you till this year. Okay, I'm ahead of myself. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 28, verse 3. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper or a snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he has escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off. Somebody say, Shake the snake. One more time. Say, shake the snake. And then it says, he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Before you're seated, I want you to shake your neighbor's hand, but shake it like you're shaking off a snake. And tell him, shake it off. Come on, tell him, shake it off. Shake, 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 shake it like a Polaroid picture. There you go. Then you may be seated. Some of you, by the end of this message, you got to shake something off. There's been things that have attached itself to you, and you got to shake it off. That's why it's difficult when you come here to the service, and they say, lift your hands, and you can't, because there's a snake attached to your hand. Now, as we get into this message, I really want to make sure that we get the full context, because I know a lot of times we, we misinterpret, and we just say, okay, i got to shake it off. But how did you get towards that snake? How did you get there? How did Paul get there? The full context of how Paul got there within a short synopsis, if you will. I don't want to go into a full length of it. But the Apostle Paul, the Bible says that Paul was on his way to Rome. And he was on his way to Rome. He was on a ship. And he was a prisoner. Somebody say prisoner. The Bible says there were 276 men or 276 soldiers, guards, prisoners on this boat. And they were in a storm that lasted for 14 days just last week we had rain for two three days in a row at first we were waiting for the rain then the rain came and then we were waiting for the rain to stop 
In other words, be careful what you pray for. Some of you are in a dry place and you're, and you're saying, God, let it rain. And he says, okay, here's a storm. Okay, I just wanted rain. I didn't want a storm. Be careful what you pray for. The Bible says that this storm lasted for 14 days. And it lasted for so much, you know, 14 days. Matter of fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 27. Let's go in the chapter before. Just, uh, I want to make sure that we understand this. Because before they got into the storm, Paul had even warned them, let's not go because something's going to happen. Verse 9 of Acts chapter 27, it says, so Paul warned them. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to a ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now this is very important. Before we continue on, we've got to understand something. Paul, the apostle Paul, was a man of God. And he was giving them advice, but they didn't listen to the advice. They wanted to listen to the experts. I'm going to tell you this. Be very careful when you don't listen to the man of God. Be very careful. The Bible says, now very well, Paul was looked at as a prisoner, but he was speaking the words of God. He was speaking some things that you need to be careful of because I can see what's ahead. I can see what you're about to get into. Be very, very careful. Yes, Lord. The speakers are speaking. Don't worry about the crackling of the speakers. I'm worried about the crackling in your heart. Can you hear that? Can you understand that? There's a word coming forth, and I hope you're heeding the warning. Okay, now look, look with me actually down to Acts chapter 27, verse 18. Let's jump down to verse 18. Remember, remember, Paul had told them, let's not do this. Let's not go here. But what happened? They said, no, nah, we know what we're doing. Let's get in the boat. And if they wouldn't have got on the boat, there wouldn't have been a storm that would have been prevented and lives could have been saved accordingly. Now watch this. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved now let's just stop right there really quick first of all the bible says that the storm was raging so much they couldn't even see the sun in other words they couldn't even see no hope have you ever been in a storm that you felt no hope you ever been in a place in a life where you felt like there was no hope you could see no ray of light there was no light at the end of the tunnel you were just in the tunnel that's it You've been in a place, you've been in your marriage where it seems like all hope is lost. You've had your children, all hope is lost. You, you've, you've been through bankruptcy, you've been through your finances where it seems like all hope is lost. You've been in a life situation where all hope is lost. That's what was happening here with Paul. All hope was lost to everybody on the boat, including Paul. That You could be a Christian and still have lost hope. Some of you are probably sitting here right now with years under your belt, but no hope in your heart. Been there, done that, but I ain't got no hope. I'm never going to make it through this storm. I'm talking about the kind of storm that the only way you're going to get out of it is you need a miracle. 
You need a miracle. Listen, I'm here this morning to give you a good word. Guess what? Take courage. Your miracle is on its way. I don't know the storm you're facing. I don't know how the skies may look, but I want you to know this morning, keep of good courage. The end is near. Don't worry. You're going to go through the storm. This is the thing. Just stay on the boat. Stay on the boat. Now, this is the crazy thing. These guys stood on the boat. And they lost it. Look with me here. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. Acts chapter 27, verse 21 says, After they had gone a long time without food, oh my gosh. My sister up there, you went two years without food. I don't know how you got. I could barely go two months without la taqueria. I need to have la taqueria. Even saying that sounds like I'm speaking in tongues. Some of you guys, I need to have my favorite pizza, my favorite burger, my favorite this, my favorite. I need my food. I need, I need, I need. You know what food represents? Food doesn't just represent nourishment. It also represents selfishness. Because too much of it's actually called gluttony. That's a sin. So you got to be careful of what you're going after. Because here, all of a sudden, the storm says, okay, you, you, you've been going after yourself for so long, I'm going to make sure that you go without. The storm right here, look at me here, food. And then it says, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. Have you ever had that before? Where somebody, I told you so. If you would have just listened to me, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with men and with women that they've talked with me and they've said, hey, oh, Pastor Stevan, oh, I loved your dad. Your dad was the best. Oh, man, he, he was just, I loved his sermons. Oh, he gave me advice. And this would always happen. Oh, he gave me advice. Man, I should have listened to him. These are actual stories, true stories. Matter of fact, if I were to say their names, many of you, you would know their names. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. The Apostle Paul had the same things. If you guys would have just listened to me, if you, if you would have just listened, this wouldn't be happening. Then it says in verse 22, then you would have spread yourselves, spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because none of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Now look at this really quick. The ship's going to be destroyed, but you're going to be just fine. Your ship is going gone, but you're going to be okay. In other words, you go through a storm where God has to take your stuff. You're okay. Don't worry about it. You'll be all right. But your stuff, it's got to go. I don't know what's sitting in the seat of God, but some of you might have some stuff sitting there, and that's why you're in a storm, because God needs to get rid of your stuff. He doesn't want to get rid of you. He needs to get rid of your stuff. There are some things that you're holding on, that you're sailing with, and God says, you got to get rid of that. See, some of you are wondering, right, why am I going through this storm? I'm doing so good. Great things are happening within my life. Why do I feel like this storm? Probably you could be going through this storm because it's not the storm that's got you. It's the stuff that's got you. And the only way to get rid of that stuff is you got to go through the storm. Don't you hate those, though? I hate those storms. I've had those storms happen to me plenty of times. 
I mean, I could tell you one instance, I was the youth leader, right? Great things were happening. Powerful things were happening. All right. Youth leading, going great, going awesome. I was about 19 years old. Man, I was so excited. I had some youth in the car with me. It was, it was a car that I paid for. I only paid 150 bucks, but hey, I paid for it. I worked hard for that 150 bucks. And if you know anything about being a youth pastor, $150 is a lot of money. I paid for that. Yeah, I was excited. I had youth in the car. We're all driving. And then all of a sudden, boo, 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 pulled over. Comes the cop. I'm good. I'm all right. Not a drug addict. I don't have any warrants. I didn't have, right? I'm okay. I'm fine. That's what I thought. I'm fine. What, what does the police have on me? I'm perfectly fine. Officer comes up. License registration, young man. Here you go, sir. Not a problem. What do they do? They go, they go back to their car, right? They do a little beep, boop, beep, 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 boop. Beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. I'm just sitting there. Don't worry, guys. We're all good. I, you know, officer knows me. I'm good. <laughs> Comes back. Now, this is the thing. I was talking with the guy, the youngster in the seat next to me. The officer, without saying anything, reaches in my car, grabs my keys, and takes the keys. And puts them in his pocket. And I just, it just shocked me. I was like, wait. Uh, like, what, what's, am I getting punked right now? Like, <laughs> just, did that just happen? Like, you ever been in a situation where you have to do a double take? Like, wait, what? Did I just get played? Did that just happen to me? No, not to me. Because if he knew who I was, then he would know that I know that he knows. Like, come on. So he took my keys. I go, what's going on? And he goes, step out of the vehicle. Uh, and all you guys, step out of the vehicle. Like, what? Why step out of the vehicle? And he said, I'm sorry, but your license has been suspended, and this car uh, registration has expired. We're impounding your car. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, this is the crazy thing. This is the craziest part. My car gets impounded. I go to the impound, and the impound costs more than what I paid for the car. <laughs> I was so upset. Do you understand? You know how long it took for me to get $150? And now you want me to get $350? God was getting rid of my stuff. I thought I was okay. Now, for me, it was just a car, but for some of you, if you really think about when it comes to the storms of life, cars is the least of your worries. There have been people going through storms that they've lost houses. They've lost life savings. I mean, things have been lost and gone. But this is the thing that when you really look at this storm, the Bible says that Paul urged them, look it, take courage. You're going to be okay. You're going to lose your stuff, but you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You may lose your house, but what's more important than your house? Your family. You got your family. What's more important? You got your call. You're, you're still called. You may not have stuff, but you got a call. You may not have things, but you've got a God that loves you. You got a family that cares for you. See, when you put in perspective what you're going through, then you're going to realize, hey, take my stuff. But God, don't take your spirit away from me. 
Keep it upon me. I want to stay an anointed man, anointed woman of God. My car could go. The house could go. Everything could go. But God, as long as you're with me, I know that I can make it through any storm of life. That's all I need. And listen, some of you here this morning, I don't know what you're going through. You might be losing some stuff, but you never lost the call. You've never lost the call. Stuff comes and stuff goes, but you haven't lost the call. You still, you hold on to that salvation. It's yours. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says that Paul and all these 276 people, they got shipwrecked on an island called Malta. Now, if you were here last week, I talked a little bit about it. Malta was not on Paul's itinerary of a place to stop. This wasn't there. They didn't have this set on the missions trip. It wasn't there of a, of a, a cruise destination. When we get off, we're going to stop in Malta. This wasn't a part of what was supposed to happen. He got shipwrecked on Malta. Malta was an island that represented a setback. Somebody say setback. Somebody say setback. See, this kind of setback seems like a place you're never going to get back. You're never going to get anything there. It's not supposed to happen. This was not supposed to be a part of the plan. But somehow, some way, you're on a Malta experience. You're on an island. Somebody say island. Now, Paul found himself on this island. This island represented a waiting situation. He was on his way to Rome, but you got to wait. You got to wait. I can't tell you how many times I remember being a young man, and a lot of people would tell me, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, they say, hey, you're going you're gonna to pastor. You're going to be a pastor. And I'll be honest with you, at the very beginning, I was like, ah, uh, no, I'm not. I don't want a pastor. I don't want to have anything to do with pastoring. Uh, maybe, how about this? How about you be a pastor and I'll follow you because then I get to see you go through all the drama and trials and people stabbing you. How about that? Because I saw it. I saw what my father went through, and I was like, ugh. It's not exactly the most glorious occupation to desire, you know. Pastoring's not the greatest thing. So I didn't want to do that, but people would always tell me, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a pastor. So I remember looking at it going, you know what? I could do that. I could try it. Why not? And I remember one of the first times I embraced it. All right, I'm going to be a pastor. And one of the first times I ever embraced it, all right, I'm going to be a pastor. You know what God told me? Good. Wait. Wait, I finally accepted that I'm going to do this, and now you want me to wait? I'm, I'm, re I'm ready to be a husband now. Now you want me to wait? I'm ready to get married now, and now you want me to wait? I finally got saved, and you just want me to wait? That's what, yes, because you're going to go through a Malta experience, and you're going to have to wait. You're going to get there, and it's going to finally seem like, all right, now I've arrived. Yeah, but you've arrived in the waiting process. You've arrived in the waiting room. See, when you go to the hospital, the first thing that they tell you, oh, have a seat in our waiting room. The doctor's going to see you, but not right now. See, some of you right now, that's why you come to church, and you're like, God's going to heal me. He is, but wait. God's going to touch me. Okay, but wait. There are some miracles that happen instantaneously, and then there are other miracles. you got to wait. you got to learn how to sit there, or should I say, you got to learn how to pray there. You're going to learn how to get on your knees and seek the face of God. 
in the waiting. You know what I have found? I have found that some people, so now remember this, Paul lost the boat, he lost the stuff, everything was taken. You know what I have found is that some people won't listen to the voice of God until they get on an island by themselves. Till everything is taken from them and now, oh, now you want to listen. Now, oh yeah, well, now all your stuff got taken, you ain't got nobody around you now, huh? That's what, oh, now, now you want to listen. Now you okay, good. Well, there you go. Now you're in your Malta experience. Now you're on an island. Now, this is the thing. He didn't just get shipwrecked on, shipwrecked on any island. He got shipwrecked on an island full of snakes. I almost entitled this message, Snakes on a Plane. And the plane meaning church. But actually, I was going to call it, you know, snakes in the church. That's what I was going to call it. Because there's going to actually, you're going to find yourself in places where there's a lot of snakes. Snakes. Let me ask, just really quick. It's not in my notes. Does anybody here, you guys love snakes? Oh, oh snake lovers, raise your hand. I want to see if there's any snake lovers. Two, three, four, five. You five? I need to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Right, come, come down here, you vipers. Get down. No, I'm just kidding. Now, let's flip it around. The majority, let's be honest. How many of you, you just cannot stand snakes whatsoever? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. That's good. good. Thank you for being honest. Because the majority of you, if you were to see a snake, ah! that was my interpretation of somebody. I'm not going to say his name, but... I wasn't a girl. I don't know what it is about snakes, but snakes scare the living daylights out of people. I'll be honest. They scare the living daylights out of me, too. Has anybody ever been bitten by a snake with me? I've been bitten by a snake. Have you ever been bitten by a snake? You've been bitten by a snake? Oh, of course, you too, because you guys raise your hand. You love them. You know what I found? If you were here last week, I talked about this because they talk about what to do when you've been bitten by a snake. The first thing that they say is stay away from snakes. Don't want to get bit? Stay away. That's a pretty good idea, right? Stay away from snakes. In other words, stay away from people that all they want to do is bite you. Stay away from folks that that's all they do is just bite. Snakes just bite. The second thing that they actually tell you when it comes to uh, not getting bit by a snake, it says avoid all tall grass and brush because snakes like to hide in dark secret places. You don't see them. You don't see Be careful where you put your feet, right? There's that old song. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do, right? For the Father up above, looking down for tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right? And it's just this, all the different parts. Be, care, be careful where you go. Oh, I could take it. I can do it. Until all of a sudden, gets on you. See, a lot of people, they always ask me, how come, how come you don't drink? There are other churches that drink. Why don't you drink? You know why I don't drink? Because drinking would bite a person like me. 
Maybe for other people at other churches. I'm not going to speak about those other churches. They can do that. That's fine. But for somebody like me, now you're probably saying, well, pastor, I thought you said you never drank. That's the thing. I know me better than you know me. I'm addictive. I'm an addictive guy. That's why I talk about La Taqueria. It's addicting. I used to drink soda like it was water all the time. I don't drink soda anymore because I know me. I know what my body and my flesh want. If I were to go to the clubs, see, a lot of people, I'll just go to the clubs. It's just a natural climate atmosphere that if you go to a club, for whatever reason, the spirit of lust is there. Spirit of alcohol is there. It's just there. You didn't create it, but you're putting yourself in a position where there's a secret place. It's a tall grass and brush. I can handle it. I can ha- you better be careful because you think you can handle it. But when you go in those dark secret places, you could get bit. Oh, not me. Oh, no, no, believe me. Snakes don't care. They'll find you. They'll find you. Can I hear an amen? Another thing it says is to stay alert. Somebody say stay alert. Another thing is to wear protective clothing when you are near the wilderness. In other words, put on the full armor of God. You need to have the full armor of God. That's a great idea. And the last thing that actually says, I shared this last week, don't take snakes for pets. That's actually what it says. If you don't want to get bit, then don't have a snake as a pet. It's actually kind of a good idea. But some of you, some of us, we have been having a pet of bitterness for years. Oh, this is my pet bitterness. This is my pet criticism. This is my pet anger. And everywhere you go, you walk around and you show people, look at my pet. Look at this pet. You know, they say that 95% of snake bites occur to those who try to catch or have snakes as pets. 95%. So if you don't want to get bit, don't have it as a pet. Tell your neighbor, stay away from snakes. Now, this is the thing about it. The Bible says that the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. Now, this is very important because a lot of times you're going to have problems that you go through in private, but then you're going to have problems that you go through in public. Paul's problem was public. People saw what he was going through. And what happens is, the Bible says that these people came to their own conclusions. They came to their, oh, I know why she's going through it. She's got this problem. He's got this problem. See, some of you can still be doing the will of God and still get bit. Still get bit. Now, this is the thing. The apostle Paul got bit because he was trying to get close to the fire. He was trying to get close to the fire. And the Bible says that the people, the islanders, they jumped to their own conclusions. I said this last week. The only exercise that some people get is jumping to conclusions. I know why she's got it like that. I know why he's doing that. I know why they're going through this. I know why that's happening. I know, I know, I know. And you got the spirit and the disease of I know-itis. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like, oh, my gosh. Can we just go through a storm and 
go through things. And matter of fact, can you do something? Can you stop being a world star addict and photo and videoing and Facebooking everybody's problems? That's what was happening. These islanders were, these were the first Facebookers. That's what they were the first ones. Oh, I know why he's going through that. Let me tell you why. They Facebooked it. That's what they were doing. Let's spread it throughout the island and tell everybody why he's going through what he's going through. They came to their own conclusions. Look at I, I, I've been in ministry and in church for a very long time. Many of you know my testimony. Pretty much I was born on Saturday in church on Sunday. That was my life. I've been around church a long time. I've been a lot, around a lot of denominations. I've been around uh, the Assemblies of God. Matter of fact, we're renting right now from the Assemblies of God. I thank God for the Assemblies of God because we actually uh, came from the Assemblies of God. So I thank God. Pastor Brian, if you're watching right now, we love you. We thank God for you. We thank God for your church and everything that God has done. And we continued blessings upon the Assemblies of God. My family, uh, even right now, they go to Praise Chapel. I love Praise Chapel. They are a great mis- ministry. Calvary Chapel. All these different churches. I thank God. I wish we would have more churches than we had Starbucks. I really do. But you know what I've learned? One of the reasons why we don't have more churches in Hayward is because people get bit. And then people come to their own conclusions on how they got bit and why they got bit. And we talk about people. Oh, I know why that pastor. I know why that leader. I know why that girl. I know why that guy. And so we have a lot of people getting bit. And rather than helping them, we talk about them. We talk about them. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos before where people are are filming and they're videotaping and somebody's getting beat up, beat up, and you hear somebody uh, in the background or you'll even read the comments going, put the phone down and help him. But it's just the spirit of Malta. It's an island spirit. I'm not going through it. You are. Let me tell everybody about what you're going through. Can, can, we, can I just say, can we be the church that not jumps to conclusions? Can we just do that? that? That would be a good thing. Actually, it would be healthy for us. It would be healthy for you. It would be healthy for me if you just don't jump to conclusions. Tell your neighbor, stop jumping. Now, this is where I like and this is where I conclude right here. The Bible says that Paul got bit and he had to listen to everybody talk about him. He's a murderer. This is probably why. The sea didn't get him, but the gods are going to get him. The gods are going to, somehow, some way, he's going to get what's coming to him. Now, this is what I've learned. Listen, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So unless your name is Lord, then the vengeance ain't yours. So if you're waiting for somebody to get got, I would be very careful. Matter of fact, according to the scripture, if we get the, uh, uh, the, the analogy of what's going on, if you have that spirit of you're waiting for somebody to get got, forget them getting bit, you already got poison in your heart. That's how you know. When you're waiting for somebody to die, that's poison. I can't wait for them to mess up. I can't wait for them to get what's coming to them. Oh, I just can't. That's poison. Poison in the heart. 
So this is what Paul did. And I found, found it fascinating because there's a lot of actually areas that coincide together within the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. But the Bible says that the apostle Paul, you know what he did? Is he got bit and he shook it off. Now, first when I read that, I go, wait a second. How come he didn't like take the snake and raise it up to everybody and say, look what I have done. Let me show you the power of Almighty God. Like, how? I mean, if you really think about it, he probably could have took the snake and went on TBN and told everybody his testimony and look at the power. Let me, let me show you and share everybody with, you know, on Daystar and Hillsong and Hallelujah Night and all that great stuff. But the Bible says he didn't do that. All he did was shake it off. Now, I found that heavy because I don't know about you, but I shared earlier, just when people see a snake, they go, I can't imagine what people would do when they get bit by a snake. Ah. But Paul, oh, look, got bit. Crazy, huh? Yeah. It's almost like Paul getting bit was an everyday occurrence. No big deal. Oh, people talked about me? <laughs> so? Oh, the enemy took my car? <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I lost it? Oh, who cares what I lost? No big deal. That's okay. See, look at When you understand the power of God, then the power of a snake can never overtake you. No matter what you go through, you know that you know that God has got your back. I that's why I love this story so much, and I relate to this story so much. You can ask my wife. I can't tell you how many times people have said stuff and done stuff, and my reaction, God is my witness. My reaction is, oh, okay. That's, I'm, real, I'm giving you my honest reaction. People will, oh, well, what are you going to do, pastor? What about this? Well, what do you want me to do? There's nothing I can do it. Right? The great apostle, you know, Taylor Swift. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. And players gonna play, 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 play. But I'm just gonna shake it off. Shake it off. Some of you you haven't developed alligator skin yet. You're still with the sheepskin. Everything sticks to you. Everything. Oh, did you hear what they said about me? Oh, did you see that the pastor didn't shake my hand? Oh, did you? Oh, my gosh. It's, you're going to live. You're going to be okay. But no, you should have seen what happened at church. Oh, my it's okay. You're going to be fine. You might lose your stuff, but you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. You're in the hand of God. You're in the will of God. Those snakes may come. Those people may bite. God has still got your back no matter what you're going through. God has got you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, that's why some of you, listen, here today, some of you, you're going to have to learn how to shake off the regrets of the past. 
You're going to have to learn how to shake off the grief of the past. You're going to have to learn how to shake off the criticism. You're going to have to learn how to shake these things off. Listen, for whatever reason, Jesus told his disciples, when you go to a city and they don't accept you, just guess what? Shake off the dust. That's what he told them. Shake it off. Now, you would think, wait, Jesus, shouldn't we clean it? Shouldn't we make it nice? Shouldn't we, you know, shouldn't we take it? Maybe put it in a trophy case and see it. So show all the haters that their hating can't get me. Jesus said, no, don't even show them. Just shake it off and move on. No, that doesn't make any sense. I want to, I want to sulk and I want to sit and I want to analyze and I'm going to go over and God says, no, shake it off and move on. See, some of us, sometimes you're in a battle and you don't even realize you're in a battle. So if you sit there after getting stabbed, after getting bit, if you're not careful and if you don't get up and you get off that battlefield, you're going to get stabbed again. Shake it off. Get up and move on. I Listen, I, I know that you're probably saying, Pastor, but you're not being sensitive to my needs. You know that Jesus was one of the most insensitive men ever to walk the face of this earth? According to our politics, according to our economy, according to our philosophies, Jesus himself said, you know what, uh, actually, you got to hate your mother and father. What? That's rude. You can't tell me to hate my mother and father. Only I can tell me that I can hate my mother and father. That's crazy. Yeah, actually, uh, I know you just got married. Uh, I know you just, something just happened. They just passed away, but let the dead bury the dead. They'll be fine. What? That's cold-blooded. Actually, it's not. If you want to be a disciple, you got to take up this cross, and you got to follow me. No, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know how many times I've been bit. Look at my friend. We've all been bit. Every single one of us in this room have been bit. You know what we can actually do? We can all probably stand up and show you our bite stories and talk about, look, at, I got bit in 1989, and in 1989 when it bit me, oh, it thought it had me, but I'm still here. I mean, you could, we could go over bite story after bite story and talk about it and trophies and whose story was the best, and we'll give you an Oscar for your bite story. And Oh, that's the best bite story of all time, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not here to hear about your bite story. What I want to do is help you write a story for you future that it's time to get off the island of Malta and fulfill the plan and the will of God I know it's tough I know it's hard but my friend you can do it stay and I urge you of good courage stay of good courage you can do it you're the victor not the victim you're the victor not the victim you're the victor not the victim. Go ahead and be seated. I'm going to close right here. I heard, I read this story the other day, and it, it got me. I want to read it to you. True story as they come to the piano. When it was, it was 7 p.m. on October 20th in 1968, and there was a crowd that had started to leave the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City. The last of the runners of the marathon were raised, were being carried off the field. Then the crowd stopped as a flurry of activity began down on the field. When they looked to see what was happening, they saw that there was one lone runner on the home stretch. He would be the very last one to cross the finish line. His number was 36, and he was from a little country in Tanzania 
on the eastern shores of the African continent between Kenya and Mozambique. But he wasn't running to the finish line in a blaze of glory or sprinting to show his skill or stamina. Instead, he came limping into the stadium far behind the rest of the competitors. He had fallen on the course and broken his leg. He hobbled along, barely able to stand up, struggling with each step and leaving a trail of blood as he moved slowly towards the finish line. The medical personnel on the field started to go to his aid, but he waved them off. He wanted no help. He was going to make it to the end at all costs. After what seemed like to be an eternity, and with almost superhuman strength, he finally crossed the finish line, and he collapsed just a foot past the mark, lying there too weak to even get up on his own. When the aides finally reached him to help him, they asked, why did you finish the race when you were so badly hurt? He told them, my country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish. To finish. Now this is a true story. But what's even more truer is your story. This you read, yours you live. And some of you right now, you're spiritually hobbling along. And you feel like, man, I can't make this. I can't do it. I barely even make it to church, let alone giving God glory. I could barely make it to life group, let alone give my tithes and offerings. I barely make it. If people only knew and understood what I was going through, if people only understood the pain that I have, and yet God's still here saying, come on, you can make it. There's a strength in you. But God, I got bit. You can make it. Shake it off. But God, I got bit again. Look, at, if you stay in this church long enough, you're going to get bit quite a few times. And probably by the person that's sitting next to you. Probably, let's go even further, probably by the guy that's holding this microphone. What? Pastors are perfect. We have perfect bites. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but I'll be honest. Pastors bite too. You know the most common bite, and I say it humorously, but it's the most common bite that pastors have, that pastors do, unintentionally, but it still bites people. And I've learned this because people have actually told me. I even had a guy tell me, very rude, but I just accepted it. He actually told me, came up to me one time at a regional we were having, this is one of the most common bites for all pastors. And he said, Pastor. He, he, didn't, he didn't want to make small talk or nothing. He says, hey, Pastor, what's my name? And I went, uh, brother? I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. And he goes, you don't remember my name, huh? Goes, no, I, I actually, I, I don't. I, I forgot. Can you tell me? He didn't tell me his name. And he goes, well, about a month ago, I came up to you, and I went to shake your hand. You didn't shake my hand. That was rude. And I went, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I go, here, let, let me shake your hand. Can I shake your hand right now? He goes, mm, all right. That's cool. But you still don't know my name, do you? Fine. 
I just walked away. And I was like, dang. One of the most common binds that pastors do is sometimes we forget to shake people's hands. We forget people. I'm going to tell you right now, I forget a lot of people's names. You know who was really good at it, though, was my dad. I don't know how in the world he remembered people's names from, like, 1904. How in the the world did you do that? It's like he goes home and writes down a diary. Jesse, Janice. Like, he remembers all these names. How does he do that? But I'll be honest, I, sometimes I forget, uh, 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 yeah, that guy, that guy, you know, brother, that guy, sister, her. But for whatever reason, sometimes people, I'm not coming back to that church. He didn't shake my hand. I'm not going to, and it's, and it sounds humorous, and yet I've seen people stay away from the call of God because they didn't get a shake from the pastor. And I want to tell you something. Listen to me. If you know me as a pastor, I wish I could shake all your hands, give you all hugs, and give you all a million dollars. I wish I could. But one, I don't have a million dollars. And two, there's just not enough time in the day. It's very difficult. So this is very important. Now, I say that, and I'm using me as an analogy, but some of you, I think you even have bitterness towards somebody in this church sitting on another side of the room, and you won't shake their hand because you've been bit by something that they did or did not do. And you're in this room right now. There's probably some of you watching right now that you're not here in church, but you're not watching Facebook. You're watching a surveillance camera because you just want to see who's here. Because you've been poisoned, but you still want to know that the spirit of Islander all over you. Listen, I'm telling you, if you do not learn how to shake this off, it's going to mess you up. Now, this is the thing that I love. Paul shook it off, and when he shook it off, the Bible says, that he went, now they changed their minds, actually, the Bible says. They changed their mind. He's not a murderer. He's a God. That's actually what they said. It's crazy how people can change from one moment to the next. Oh, he's in sin. Look at him. He's in sin. Oh, my gosh. He's a man of God. Great. That was only five minutes difference. And Wow. People are emotional. The Bible says that he shook it off went to go pray for somebody, they got healed, and then everybody on the island that was sick got healed. Everybody got healed. Look, I want to challenge you here. Don't worry about what people are saying. Don't worry about what people are doing. You just do the will of God. And as you do the will of God, do the work of God, Watch what happens when others around, even the people that were hating on you, are going to love you because they got healed because of your healing. They got touched because of your touch. They got a miracle because of your miracle. Watch what God is going to do in your life with even others around you. It's a powerful thing, the hand of God. It's a powerful thing. That's why Tyrone, don't go nowhere. You're in the waiting room. I know we call it the men's home, but it's actually called the waiting home. 
That's what it's actually called. Oh, I want to leave. Some of you guys, you want to leave probably every second of the day. You probably want to leave right now. If I didn't put you on blast, you probably would leave right now. Oh, but you don't know Pastor Daryl, man. Pastor Daryl, he's crazy, man. He's all hard on me like that. He, yeah, he's a short guy, but man, he's crazy. He, who does he think he is? Six foot six? I'm six foot six. He ain't six foot. Who do you think he is? A short little white guy. Who do you think? That's actually not your director. He's part of your call. It's your call. Some of the storms that you're going through right now, you're thinking, well, it's her. It's him. Actually, it's not her or him. That's your call. They're supposed to be around you. It's, it's a part of you. I know you may not like it. I know it may not feel good. Snake bites never feel good. Nobody goes out of their way and say, man, today I'm waking up and I can't wait to get bit by a snake. Nobody does that. But it still happens. And you have to learn how to shake it off. Some of you, you need to shake off 1989. Some of you need to learn how to shake off 1994. I don't know what happened in 94, but you got to shake it off. Some of you had a horrible 2014. You got to shake it off. Some of you, you don't even want to remember 2015, but you shake it off. Look, I don't know what happened to you last year. I don't know what happened to you this year. But if, even if it happened to you this year, you could shake off 2018. Shake that thing off. Get, get up off me. This bitterness doesn't belong here. This anger doesn't belong here. Anxiety, depression, it doesn't belong. I'm going to shake this thing off. Shaking it off my life because it doesn't belong in my future. Stand with me here today. Father, I pray right now.